This talk is from our series on Covenant. Journey with us as we ask what does Covenant mean and what relevance does it have in our relationship with Jesus. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net I don't know about you, but I've found this series that we've done, I can honestly say it's been life-changing. Um, and I, in a way, I'm sorry to kind of leave it, but in another way, I guess what we're going to be doing over the next however long, forever, um, is exploring what it means, just discovering. Um, with the depth and the range of this amazing covenant that God has brought us into with himself. Um, just by way of a little bit of preamble, um, <clears throat> uh, yesterday, uh, Kate and I went... Um, we, we had a day out, didn't we, darling? And uh, our day out included being with a number of friends, but two of whom you would know especially, and that was uh, Robin and Geraldine. And uh, they especially wanted to ask us to say to you how much they hold this family in their affection. And so they entreated us, I think that's a good Bible word, isn't it? They entreated us to send their love and to say how much they think of you and uh, um, for all the fact that God's establishing them in a new place uh, you still have a very special place in their heart so love and greetings from Robin and Geraldine um, for those of you who have been following the program that we have set out uh, you will see that today I was due to speak on the subject, the theme of a better covenant, which is uh, a line taken from the, the book of Hebrews and which speaks of God's amazing plan to, to bring everything back into the order of God that he originally intended. Except I'm not going to speak about that today. Um, we've had one or two blips through the course of the program. And um, so what I'm going to do this, this afternoon... <laughs> what I'm going to do this afternoon is to um, pick up what we had planned for last week, which was this theme of friendship. And what I want to try and do is to explore... Uh, a question about how does the Bible view of friendship help us to expand our understanding of covenant? Uh, we said a number of weeks ago that covenant is not a word that we readily kind of locate in modern language. It's not something people talk about. Um, it's not the kind of currency that people handle readily. And so it, it helps us, doesn't it, to be able to think about simple words that can convey a profound truth. So if we could... Oh, I missed my title slide. Um, so I'll move quickly on. No, 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 that was fine, that was fine. Um, I love this quote. Uh, it was on a calendar that uh, Kate received... And it's one of those flip-over type that 
um, every day, you know, you, there's a new um, little motif or saying or something. And um, those of you who are familiar with American literature will know intimately, I'm sure, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who clearly was a very wise man because he said this, before a friend, I may think aloud. Now, when you just stop and allow that to sink in, actually it says something very profound, doesn't it? That friendship is that space where we can just kind of say what is in our heart and in our mind and know that whoever's on the receiving end isn't going to damage us, is not going to handle it badly, they're going to receive it in the spirit in which it may have been intended, but they're going to, in it all, whatever we're saying, that they are receiving us. So, before a friend, I may think aloud. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Pat's just very kindly pointed out to me. That's, it's probably, isn't it, it's 19th century English. It means, when I'm with a friend, so before is in the sense of when I'm standing face to face with a friend, I may think aloud. And uh, <clears throat> what I want to do, just very briefly, and then we're going to then explore some scripture together, is just to take the tale of two covenant men that we have from the Old Testament and see how it is that God came face to face with these two men and he called them his friends one was Abraham the other was Moses I want you in your imagination now to just think about Abraham um, he was getting on a bit he must have been I think it was about 99 at the point where we enter this story some years before, God had appeared to him and had made an astounding promise. He'd told him that he was going to bless him and his family and that through his family, all the nations on the earth were going to be blessed. And after making this promise, after revealing himself to Abraham, God then cut covenant with Abraham and he brought him into this special relationship with himself where God promised forever that he would be his God and that his people would be God's people. Now, we were singing in that song a moment ago, remember your children remember your people remember your promise and I asked myself I had this going around in my mind how can I forget you O Israel it's the heart of God God has got the marks on his hands the blood marks the scars of the sacrifice which represent constantly a reminder of his promise so God had brought Abraham into this special relationship with him and one day, many years later, there's Abraham 
taking his ease. It's early afternoon. It's very hot. And you can imagine Abraham at this, uh, in his advanced years, sitting in the shade of these oak trees, which is where he'd made his camp. He was sitting by the, the door of his tent. Uh, you, can, you can almost feel the throb of the heat. You, can, you know, the day is kind of pulsating under the, the uh, midday sun. Maybe the only sounds that you can hear are the insects chirping away. The animals are way too sleepy to be making any noise. And Abraham, in his, probably in his rather dozy state in the early afternoon, he becomes aware that there are three strangers standing by. He instantly stirs himself, he gets up, he goes over to the strangers and it's interesting how Mark read that little passage before we broke bread today and in the custom of the time of that region he insisted that these three men join him and receive the hospitality that he was offering this was no <laughs> when you read the story he instantly he went to uh, Sarah who was inside the tent he went to Sarah and he said quick uh, rustle up some bread we need to be able to give these people a, uh, some refreshment straight away uh, he went to his herd and he selected the best calf that he could find and I don't know how long it takes to slay and prepare a calf, but you get a sense this probably went on quite a long time. So he gives the calf to the servant, he gets the strangers to come and sit with him, and he himself, as the meal is prepared and as it's provided to these strangers, he stands to one side as if in the posture of a servant attending their need while they make themselves at home with him. Having taken his food, the strangers then make to move off. Well, no, no, they don't. Before that happens, one of these strangers says to him in a year's time I will come back and at that time your wife Sarah she will give birth to a son at this point if you'd have been listening closely you could have heard a choked laugh from behind the door of the tent as Sarah listened to what the stranger said and kind of went you've got to be joking fat chance and in herself she's saying I'm way past that right now and look at him 
And the stranger says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And uh, Sarah, who's obviously who's been found out at this point, fesses up and says, well, you know, it's just not possible. And the stranger says to them both, is anything impossible for the Lord? This time next year, I will come back and you will bear a son. What an amazing thing. These three strangers appear out of nowhere and I wonder what was going on in Abraham's spirit as he heard the voice of the one who spoke to him. I wonder if it sounded anything like what he'd heard before. The strangers, they get up together and they go to move off and Abraham accompanies them away from the camp and at this point, we get, we get an insight. We, we, it's almost as if we hear this internal dialogue going on somewhere within the Godhead. Because one of these strangers, if you read the scripture carefully, one of these strangers is God himself. Two of them are angels. One of them is the Lord. And this internal conversation that's going on, God says to himself, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And if you know the story, God has looked upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and he has seen there the evil that men have introduced, the the way of life that has become the norm. And he has decided in himself to bring destruction upon the cities. And so he shares his heart. He tells Abraham what he's thinking. If you read on through the story, there is this amazing conversation that happens between Abraham and the Lord, where Abraham, in effect, pleads with, as he says, the judge of all the earth. He pleads with him and says to him, if there are only, he whittles him right down to ten, even if, Lord, if, if there are only ten righteous people in the cities, will you not spare them? And God says, I've heard you. You read on through Genesis 19 and you'll see what happens and it includes that bit about Lot and his, his family and how they were rescued. But what I want us just to kind of catch hold of is that um, what God is doing, he's thinking out loud with a friend. Can you go to the next slide please, Mark? Three times in the scripture, Abraham, the father of all who believe, is described as the friend of God. Um, I'm going to just read one of those scriptures. It's the one in Isaiah. Isaiah 
41. And I'm going to just read from verse 8 for a few verses. And just notice how really what's in view here is the inclusiveness of the way that God reveals concerning his purpose for Israel. He says, But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, You are my servant, I have chosen you, I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God addresses the nation as the descendants of Abraham, friend of God. Now, don't you think, Israel, don't you think there's a clue in there for us? What God, God is saying something to us about how he views his people. You have as a forefather, your forefather is this man Abraham with whom I spoke face to face, my friend. I've included just a quote there about uh, Job who, as you know, went through some tough times. And he, um, at one point, as he's pouring out his heart, he says, how I longed for God's intimate friendship that blessed this house. He was a man who lived before God and who enjoyed that sense of friendship with God. I don't want to dwell on that one. I want to come to um, our friend Moses, another covenant man. Do you remember um, in their wilderness experience, the children of Israel, they had their camp and uh, they had their arrangements, you know, where, I mean, you're talking about several million people here. They had this arrangement where everybody had their place, the tribes had their setting, but Moses, he had what he called his tent of meeting. I don't know what it was like. Um, I've got something, I've got an image in my head of just this little canvas. I got a kind of impression of a gazebo with, you know, sides. I don't know what it was like, but he had this tent that was outside the camp. It was some way off from the camp of the Israelites. And um, people used to go when they needed counsel. They would go to the, the tent, the tent of meeting, and they'd consult with Moses, who would talk with God on their behalf. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read just the... Um, Scripture there in, in Exodus 33. If you want, if, don't, if you want to turn to it, I've got the NIV here. Um, Exodus 33, and we can just read this together. <clears throat> Starting, at, I think it's about verse seven. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and 
stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. There was some sense of moment, wasn't there, about this? You know, as Moses got up, you know, word would go round the camp. Hey, Moses is off to the tent. Hey, let's just somehow let's just gather here. There's this is there's a sense of awe you sense, don't you, with this? The people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped at the entrance to his tent. Each at the entrance to his tent. And then it says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. A bit later on in that same chapter it says this, No man can see the face of God and live. Same chapter. God will speak face to face with Moses as a man speaks to his friend. And then later on, he's telling Moses, no man can see my face and live. Now that kind of messes a bit, doesn't it, with how we think things should be. But do you know, <laughs> I just get this sense that God almost, he almost can't stand himself. He almost can't resist he cannot restrain himself because he knows what's coming. He know, knows that down the track, the new covenant is going to come into being. And there are these kind of pinpoints of light that seem to sort of break into the Old Testament where it's almost as if God's kind of saying, oh, come on, let's just hurry this thing up. I want it now. And really what he's saying is this, it's very, very simple, that God has this desire for intimacy, face-to-face -face relationship with man. And it's like he's saying, right, Moses, you've got your little tent, and boy, I'm just going to come. I'm coming. Hey, I'm coming. I'm going to be at home with you right now. Okay, no man can see the face of God and live, but that's for now. This is for later. And it's almost as if Moses gets this preview of the new covenant. He's being introduced to something that's in God's heart all along, ever since the beginning, that he shared with Abraham, that he shared with Moses. I, another little example. David, he has, a, he has this funny thing, this tabernacle, this thing that, where he worships and stuff goes on and it's full of joy and singing and there's no, there's no sacrifices going on. There's no priests and all that sort of stuff. It's just David enjoying God. And you get the same sense, don't you? God says, yeah, I'll have that. And he actually talks about it in the New Testament. He says, I'm going to restore David's tabernacle. 
It's just like we get these previews through the Old Testament of God establishing the new covenant with man. So all, all I'm trying to get at is this, that God, God's covenant is this covenant of friendship. It's this face-to-face, it's this intimacy that he's planned for all of us. Jesus, he uses, can we flip to the next one, please? Jesus, he uses the same kind of language. Here he is, he's about to confront this, this amazing event when at the cross he's about to change history forever. Here he is, he's in this intimate moment with his disciples and he says, he says this, greater love has no one but this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. I have called you friends For everything that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Before a friend, I may think out loud. I have called you friends. And what he said to those early disciples, I believe, was just as much for you and for me that was about to be broken open through that sacrifice that he made at the cross when he introduced us into the new covenant. Can you go to the next one, please, Mark? In John's first letter, he picks up this thought. He says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship, our fellowship, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The purpose of our proclamation of the gospel is this. That other men, women, children may have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. He doesn't say that they may get their sins forgiven. He doesn't say that they should live a better life. He says, this is the reason we proclaim what we do, is so that we may have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. This is the new covenant. Friendship with God. Friendship biblically understood. Now, I don't know about you, I, I just get excited by this. I, I begin, I, I think, yes, God, we were made for relationship with you. It's our natural home. And yet people, and we, we in our unsaved state, we lived apart from God, without hope in the world. But God didn't make us for that. He made us for relationship with him. Now here's something else which is amazing that comes out of this. Our friendship with this covenant God 
brings us into, as we've heard before, a union with him where he's included us. I don't understand, but believe me, it's there. He's included us in himself. He's extended out the Godhead to include us. So we become like him. And just as he's extended friendship to us, he says, now, your friendship extends to anyone who is in the same union, the same unity with God. It's a unity of friendship with him. Hey, I love being a friend of God. Just a minute. <laughs> Hello, Mel. Hello, John. <laughs> Fancy finding you here. <laughs> I didn't choose him. But God did. He's my friend. God has said now, just like you didn't choose your natural family, you didn't choose your friend, you didn't choose these friends either. But listen, I'm joining you together. There's a friendship to discovering God, which is different from any kind of friendship you'll find out there. True. Just for the last few minutes, what I'd like us to do is just to discover a little bit more about what it means to live in union with God, in this friendship with him, and what it means in practice to live in this friendship with each other. I want you to make sure you're at, the, at a table with at least a few other people. Derek, if you've got those, could you go around and just put one of these on the table? Mark, could I have the next slide, please? We're going to have um, some conversation around our table. And um, on that piece of paper, you'll see that there are some scripture verses. We'll put them up on the screen in just a moment. And each scripture verse has got a letter beside it. And the piece of paper which is landing on your table has got a letter at the top. And what I want us to do is to start with the verse that has got your letter on it. So this table here has got a letter G on the top. So this table here is going to find the verse with letter G beside it and they're going to start there and they're going to answer these two questions together. How does this speak of God's heart towards us as his friends? And the second question or task is to talk about some of the practical ways that this applies to our own relationships in the household of God with our friends. And what I want us to do is to be prepared in a few minutes' time to just feed back one thing from point A and point B from the discussion that you've had on your table. If you get past the verse that has been allocated to you, just move on to the next one and repeat the same kind of conversation. And what I want us to do is, I, I believe this, you see, I wholeheartedly believe this, that the Holy Spirit inhabits every one of his people.
the Holy Spirit is able to instruct all of us. And so it is not just the privilege of the preacher to be able to bring truth to the body. So this is what we're doing. We are in working with the Holy Spirit to be able to unpack the truth that he's placed within his word. Okay, is everybody clear about the task? It's up on screen, it's on your sheet. Um, you've got the verses there, I believe. Is there everybody clear? Yeah? Yeah? Brilliant. We'll take about 10 minutes and then we'll just gather this back in. I'm going to ask you to draw your conversations to a close. And in just one moment, Joel is going to come round with the uh, hand mic so that we can capture what it is that people have, have got from the conversations you've had. Um, remember what I said? We just want, we're looking for uh, one thing on the verse that you were looking at. Um, first of all, just uh, did you find you had plenty to talk about or did you just kind of go, hmm? Was there plenty to talk about? Yeah? Okay. Right. Um, let me find out who... Where, where are the A's in the room? This table here. Anyone else? One here. Jolly good. Um, I'm going to come to this table first, Joel, if we could, please. And for those of you who weren't looking at this first, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So one thing about God's heart for us and one thing about our own relationships. Okay, so God's heart towards us is that he loves us through all kinds of weather, um, whether that, whatever it is, through the good, bad, or the ugly. And uh, B, as the, as the people, the family of God, we should love each other and be there for each other, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or just the everydayness of life. Excellent, excellent. Would you like to add anything to that, this table over here? All right, one thing off each category. Yeah, we were struck by the kind of faithfulness and constancy of God, that, mm. as Lisa said, that sometimes it's circumstances that can separate us from one another and from God, and sometimes it's of our own making, but that God never withdraws his friendship and his constancy and his grace. Um, and then for each other, we were saying that sometimes we're good, we're good in a crisis. You know, um, what does it say in the Message Bible? It says families stick together in all kinds of trouble. We, we're quite good in trouble, but we're not so good sometimes at being proactive mm. in good times and encouraging growth in one another. And Pete brought this scripture which is look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So interests are not necessarily needs, but they are things that concern somebody else. Very good. So a friend loves at all times. Could you hand the mic? That's it. Thanks, Joe. Um, the bees. Where are the bees? I love the volunteers. Come on, Chris. And then we've got one over here. Are you guys the bees? Yeah. <laughs> We talked obviously about there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We thought about that in the terms of that, you know, that is God. Mm. God sticks with you regardless of what, what situation you're in, where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. And no, no brother is going to do that. 
necessarily unless they have God in their lives. We also talked about generally about from, a, from our point of view, are we prepared to do that to somebody else? I mean, it, it, what we talked about is friends should be able to speak certain things out, like, like that, the quote by that Waldo guy saying <laughs> friends should be able to say anything. Good name, isn't it? Waldo. Tuck that one away, yeah. <laughs> I think God wants us to be able to say what we feel, whether it's good, bad, or not, so that he can help us then make sense of it and work out the right mm. thought patterns. Very good. Because when we're renewing our mind, it's, he's not expecting us to be an immediate, we, we're now wonderful people. We are going to think some wrong things. We are going to talk about, react to certain situations, and we want God to be able to help us with that. Sure, sure. Great, great. Um, do you guys want to add anything to that? Don't have to? Yes? No? Just wait, we've got a microphone coming your way. So, thank you. Just uh, what I think is, uh, you're saying that it's closer than a brother, so I think the bond between God, what I think he's trying to say is that uh, there's a unique bond there, you know, between the friends and God. So he wants that bond to be, you know, with other people as well. Yeah, great. Fantastic, thank you. Well, were there any other bees in the room? Okay, um, let's go. This is working out quite nicely. Um, the C's, where are the C's? Yeah, great, okay. Any other C's in the room? Oh, yes, you're not getting away that easy. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. <laughs> oh, we've got a written answer here. Um, I've got this written on here. It says, a friend will always be a friend, but God will never turn away from you no matter what you do or say okay okay great um could you quickly transport the microphone across here um gonna get my youth involved yeah i think you should oh yeah okay so like if you be honest with your friend and it might like wound them like tell them that the top <laughs> that the top is disgusting <laughs> this this is a girly thing, but isn't like, it? Really? Yeah. yeah, but like then it saves them from getting embarrassed. But like, if an enemy compliments you and they don't mean it, then that's bad. Very good. <laughs> um, listen, do we do we reckon that's an all right answer? Yeah, great, Joy. Well done. Fantastic. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. So somebody. Who who says the honest thing, yeah. although it may be hurtful, is actually to your benefit. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are the D's in the room? Great. All right. Who's going to go here? Oh, no. <laughs> you seem to have the microphone there, my love. Well, yeah, no, she's very good at articulating. So. <laughs> you let her get away with that. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> That's the honesty. And um, we felt the key word is earliest or heartfelt. Can you read out the, the verse? Oh, sorry, yeah. The pleasantness of a man's friend 
springs from his earliest or heartfelt counsel or advice. Uh, there is a spontaneous um, reaction when it comes out, a pleasantness. And that refreshing is not measured, not conditioned, not um, concluded. It just springs. Mm. And uh, we feel that in the friendship, just like in any other covenant, the impartation takes place. That there is a unity where things non-existence could spring up, and if the reception is there, there is a multiplication hmm. with that deposit. So if I bless somebody, just like laying hands on somebody, whatever I carry, spiritual or otherwise, advice or counsel, provided that the reception is there, there is going to be an impartation or multiplication in that person. And that's the exercising of the covenant, uh, receiving one end and giving another end. Right. And the one right. wonderful thing is you don't have to be prepared, is in you, it springs. Yeah. Very you good. know, without any measurement, is actually in you reacting to a need or a cancer which is maybe lacking or provocation. Nevertheless, you are the answer. Step into it. Brilliant. That's a wonderful I, thing. I love that, that sense of something given and something correspondingly yeah. received yeah. being very productive. Yeah, That's I love right. it. It's really good. Yeah. Excellent. I've got a wonderful uh, scripture. Can I just sure. carry on? Uh, sorry. Uh, if I could find it again, just a minute. I'll feel for a sec. I heard on the radio that people who um, uh, are generous and give and, I guess, bless, they didn't use the word bless, um, in life, live longer and are happier. Mm. And I thought, and we were just saying, well, that of course they do, even if they're not Christian, because that's God working in them, mm. you know, that you... I thought that was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, you ready? Yeah. Um, the covenant element is just amazingly summarized in uh, Ephesians. It says, there is a conclusion. Therefore, remember the f that you formerly were Gentiles. And the spiritual sense of being Gentiles is being outside of the covenant by birth and called are uncircumcised by those who called themselves circumcision, which is done by human hands. Now, this, this is a, absolutely a wonderful provision. Remember, therefore, that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God, you were just in the world. Mm. The wonderful thing is this springs out and it concludes that therefore he himself is our peace. Yes. And uh, our peace in the covenant, the peace itself is that everything what you need is there and everything which is there is not broken. No, it's complete. And that is our provision. <clears throat> he Wonderful. himself. Wonderful. Because we are no longer foreigners.
Wonderful. I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, grab the mic. Um, <laughs> whatever you do, don't let Janos get too excited. Or we'll keep us here all evening. Um, okay, let's go on to E. Who had E? That was. I'll read it out for you while the mic is travelling. He who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Um, we, to start with, we actually got a little bit bogged down in deciding what actually constitutes an offence. It's just a word. We eventually more or less came to the conclusion that if uh, a friend tells you something about himself, you do not go away and gossip about it with someone else. To confide something means you keep it confidential. Mm. Okay. Yeah, good. Any other... Any others had that scripture? No? Uh, the main thing we got oh, good. was that it's such a clear, well, almost instruction from God about his relationship with us. Um, and Mark made the point, could it be used um, is it Christian, between Christian relationships and non-Christian relationships? I think it's, I personally think that's a pretty good rule to live by generally. Um, you know. <laughs> okay, now then, let's, we'll move on to F. A man should, oh, problem on this, was it? A man should have the devotion of his friends even though he forsakes the fear of the Lord. Come on, John. Um, yeah, it's a despairing man should have the devotion of his friends. Um, we, we did actually struggle with this verse. <laughs> Not the first bit, but the second bit. Um, so even when somebody walks away from God, um, Job, as a despairing man, was crying out for his friends to care for him and, and show him compassion. And uh, we believe God does that for us even when we walk away from him. Mm. Um, and we should do it for each other. Um, did we say anything else? That was more or less it, yeah. But it's a challenging verse. Yes. Because we'd rather just walk away and forget it. Sometimes we'd just rather walk away and, and rub our hands and yeah. wash our hands. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there's something godlike about not forsaking, not, not walking away from somebody even though they've walked away from you. Um, so that's how we can expect God to be with us, but also what he's saying, look, hey guys, how I am with you is how you are to be with each other. Okay, let's... Um, and I think, was it this table who had last one, which we touched on already, but the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Um, we talked about different aspects of this, and um, I was just thinking of a way to bring it all together somehow. Um, and as I was thinking, I was kind of struck by the, the phrasing of the verse, which, um, which is the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And it's that kind of um, the idea that he didn't do it just once, but it was a regular thing. And it was kind of a... Um, habitual in a way mm. and um, and we were just talking about how um, how despite all our imperfections and um, and the fact that we, we fall short every day um, God wants that that kind of intimacy with us he wants he wants to speak to us face to face whatever we're going through and however rubbish we're feeling um, and then to link that to B um, how can how can we put this into a practical way in our own relationships with each other um, it's that whole thing of, of constancy and, and somehow striving to mirror mm. that intimacy that God craves with us with other people and, and kind of giving our time um, 
and um, and our effort and everything unconditionally as God gives it to us to people around us. Yes, very good. good. We're going to wind it up, but um, what I want to encourage us to do is this, is to, to take away from here the sense that God himself longs for intimacy of relationship, that face-to-face with us. So this week, practice it. Trust God, believe God, that that's what he's wanting for you. And nothing would make him happier than for you to be responding. And similarly, just as he's included us in this circle of friendship, that that is what we bring into the world around us. That we are friends to people. Um, Friends to people in any condition. So this week we've got something to practice. Father, I want to say thank you for the richness of your word to us. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the, um, the pleasure, the, sheer, the joy of this relationship, this desire that you have for intimacy and fellowship with us. And Father, this week, we simply want to respond to you and, Lord, to gladden your heart as we meet you face to face. Thank you, Father. Amen.